My name is David, and this is The Big Shut-In. So it's Tuesday the 24th, day nine of this adventure. And um, I tell you something that has really been striking me today. I really wonder um, what this city that I love so much is going to look like when all of this is done. How, how it's going to spring back. I hope it will. It will. I mean, the thing about New York is that it's, it's just a city of change, right? It always changes. Everything closes down and opens back up again and gets knocked down and rebuilt. And there was an old joke that said that the day you really become a New Yorker is when a place at which you are a regular closes. I think there's something to that, you know? I mean, the city is unrecognizable one decade to the next always, but man, what's it going to look like after this? I just don't know. You know? Every restaurant goes out of business. Every cultural institution is reduced to rubble. Like, what's going to be left? Amazon, Starbucks. I don't know. Anyway, at the beginning of this, I said, this is the eighth day of this adventure, and I'm heartened to know that there are people still who are young enough and free enough that they're making an adventure out of this. That's one of the many reasons that it was really nice to talk to my friend, Laura. So wh- where, where are you right now? Funny you should ask. Um, so I am in Jensen Beach, Florida, which is about 45 minutes north of West Palm, and this is where my best friend's dad and stepmom spend their winters. So we made our decision. I, I wish I could say it was informed. It was entirely intuitive. It happened about 10 days ago, the Sunday that everything in New York shut down. But it hadn't yet. <laughs> and we made the decision, if I'm being completely honest, we got ourselves beautifully uh, drunk. And we decided to paint brandy glasses with nail polish. During that conversation, we intuitively decided that we would pack up all of our belongings that night and head out to JFK and rent a car. And so we did so at like 10 a.m. on Sunday and we get on the road to be with her parents thinking, you know what, it's probably not going to be that bad. We just, if we have a few weeks to work from home, we might as well have some fresh air. And the wildest thing was over the course of that first 10-hour stretch, which was from New York to North Carolina, all of the news started rolling in on Twitter, hour by hour. Schools closed, bars closed, so on and so forth. And by the time we got to our stopover in North Carolina, the entire city had shut down within the few hours that we were in the car. So we've been here round out in about two weeks and then we're actually going to jump in the car on friday and drive another 23 hours to northern michigan okay where her mother lives and i think for us it's just a stalling game trying to figure out how to both self-isolate keep ourselves safe and keep ourselves out of new york for the time being 
without driving her relatives entirely insane in the process. So tell me about the decision to head for the hills. Like, I, I mean, why, why would you, I mean, if I feel like wherever you go next, you're probably going to be stuck there for a while. Uh, so why wouldn't you like to be in your own space for that? That is an excellent question that we didn't even consider two weeks ago. The idea of being stuck in a certain place. And I think originally, I mean, we have to like recognize the privilege that we had at the place in our life where we're in our late twenties. Um, we're both, she's gainfully employed. I'm doing my best to remain so. And I think it was an, an initial decision that was made for our mental health. Thinking, okay, we've already spent a week in our apartment. And if we have the opportunity to leave, well, knowing that we're safe, why not do so? I don't think the eventuality of being stuck even crossed our minds at that time. Um, and I think both of us just being so distant from our families, I mean, for all the people that get to quarantine with their families and get to self-isolate with their families, it's so different than being in a 700-square-foot apartment without anyone other than your best friend, although I know that so many people are making the best of that decision as well. I think we just took our mobility while we still had it and while the cases in New York were fairly low. Um, to be completely honest, we've been looking at the details of all of the lockdowns in all the states, and because she can prove residency in both New York and in Michigan, if we tell Border Patrol or state troopers that we're on our way home with that type of documentation, we don't actually think we'll be prevented from getting to any state. I don't think we're quite at that point yet, particularly in the Midwest. I mean, I could be wrong. If everything's changing, but I don't think anybody's going to stop you on the highway and ask for your papers this week. <laughs> I mean, is that, is that, is that fun? Is that fun just a, with a week by week flying by the seat of our pants? Who knows this week? I mean, I, I totally understand not wanting to be trapped in a studio apartment for months on end all by yourself. I think that's a perfectly reasonable instinct. Um, I mean, that sounds like a nightmare. But, I mean, uh, uh, let me ask one obvious question. Are, are you worried... Have you considered that you might be carrying the virus with you to all of these places? Sure. So it did It did occur to us at the beginning, um, which is why on the way down, we, without getting into the nitty gritty, just went to the bathroom on the side of the roads with our own paper. Um, we didn't use gas stations. If we did, we covered ourselves and used Clorox. And we did self-quarantine the first week that we were here, um, awaited any symptoms, waited to see how her dad and her stepmom would react and have been really diligently self-isolating as, as have they. We've essentially been quarantining for about three weeks, if you look at our diligence. Um, yes, there is a chance that we could be carriers without us knowing. No one around us has gotten ill. Um, she and I are in great health and we'll probably be precautious for another week when we get, when we finally reach Michigan. But so there's, 
there's been a lot of precautions, but who knows how far precaution can go. I mean, everyone in her life has been generous and open, understanding the risks of having us. I think, I think for her particularly, because I'm thousands of miles away from my family, they just felt the need to be together under the right precautions. And I think for all of us, trying to decide who we want to ride this out with for people for that sure. are yeah. married or people that have kids, the decision is made for them. But for certain millennials who maybe can't be with some of their family, you have chosen family and you try to decide what's best for everyone involved with as much care and as much diligence as you can. But I think it becomes an emotional decision as well as a public health decision. For sure. No, I, I, I mean, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Are you, how are things in Florida? What's going on down there? So we're just, we're just trying our best. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I hear are about. The spring breakers. Know, spring, yeah, right. <laughs> like people making out on the beach and saying, you know, we don't care if we die. Um, hey, the making out on the beach sounds excellent right now. Being in self-isolation. However, no, I think um, it's a bit different. We're, we're not actually around anybody our age. Um, we're in a relatively quiet, you know, retirement adjacent community. And again, not venturing outside. I think the most disorienting thing is how even people who are in, who are technically qualify as an at risk population are not taking things seriously. So we volunteer to grocery shop for the house. And because we don't want her dad to be going into public spaces and we wear gloves and we cover our mouths and we stay six feet away from everybody and people just don't seem to care. We care. <laughs> We're dancing around like, like maniacs around the supermarket, but, um, you know, people in their sixties and seventies and eighties try to come up and chat during our walks and at the supermarket and it oddly feels rude although we do it to say please stay six feet away from me we've tried three or four different ways of phrasing that to be as kind as possible to not make them feel offended or not to like purport the notion that we're disease carriers but it's, it's tough because people who are the most at risk down here i mean i think the news spreads in a scalable fashion and everything that people know in New York has yet to trickle down to Florida. It's amazing it's really strange to, me. to see. I mean, I haven't left the house in a week, you know. I'm stuck in here with, with uh, my kids, and they're bouncing off the walls, and, and we're, you know, in a full-on panic. And the news outside is that the cases are doubling every three days in the five boroughs. And, uh, and that the whole country... I don't know. I'm I'm just sort of now getting firsthand reports from other places in the country that they're just not the the fact that anyone is not taking this seriously is kind of amazing to me. Yeah, I think the feeling the word for the feelings that we are going through that we've distilled it down to here is being very disoriented. Um it's beautiful, it's eighty degrees, we're walking all the time. There's even like a flicker of a tan from just being in the sun and walking for hours on end. And it feels so idyllic, but also 
apocalyptic, even more so, because you feel like a whistleblower, right, coming from up north, yelling, this is coming, and no one's listening to you. And Like Cassandra on the walls of Troy. <laughs> no, it just, it feels, um, disorienting is the word that we keep coming back to, because People, even friends of the family, you know, they haven't been in the house, but they're hearing how diligent we are, and they think that we're overreacting. And these are people in their 70s. And, you know, the kids in their 20s are apparently the ones overreacting, and we're just trying to do our best for everyone involved. I mean, two weeks ago, I thought everyone here was overreacting. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, and I, I thought that was vaguely ridiculous at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was like two weeks ago, th- three, you know? And I, it's just amazing. I don't know. The phrase go viral. Can I, no, no, never, <laughs> never more. Can I tell you a secret? So it's a confession. So I, so I work from home and have been working from home for over a year now. And granted, We've spent two weeks here, but we were at home together a week prior. And even the week before that, I had started sanitizing the house. And I, as I was reading the news, I would go out every day to grab a coffee or walk around. And I would just think, you know what? Maybe I should buy two or three cans. of just, you know, something. Maybe I should buy just another roll of toilet paper. And over the course of the week, I'm not going to say I amounted a stash that was laughable or would qualify as hoarding by any means, but it was a fairly good stock. And I hid it under my bed from my best friend and from my boyfriend for fear that it would qualify me as like some doomsday advocate or, or whistleblower. And so I just had this cardboard box under my bed probably a month ago, just filled with rice and beans and a few bottles of hand sanitizer. And every time I dropped something, I would see it. And I was just confronted. I was so ashamed at the time and thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm just reading the news too often and I should turn this all down. But I will say when I got time to jump in the car, we had enough toilet paper. We had enough food to keep ourselves going. And the shame has somewhat evaporated for slowly amounting two or three cans a day for a few weeks. So... T- tell me about this Michigan plan. Tell tell me more about what you're going to do. All right. So interestingly enough, my best friend works for one of the biggest magazines in the U.S. She is the digital managing editor. And through that, there are a lot of connections. And for those people that haven't done the drive from Florida straight north to Michigan, it is a 24-hour drive. Um, not for the faint of heart. And... We looked around at potential options for a stopover that would be safe. Interestingly enough, Hank Williams, the famous singer, <laughs> his granddaughter now operates a private Airbnb service in Tennessee um, that has now begun marketing itself as sanitized. I mean, up until this time, it was historic homes that people could rent and stay in just like Airbnb, but done privately. Recently, they've pivoted their advertising towards, you know, just because you have to stay at home doesn't mean it has to be your home. And if you need to get away with your family, it's, a, you know, usually a minimum of 14 days. 
Their cleaning crew is incredibly diligent. Every surface is sanitized. And through the magazine, she was able to secure us a night there, a day and a night. So we will be stopping over in an empty home that has been cleaned and will be cleaned after we depart, Um, spending the night there, trying to rest up, heading to northern Michigan and probably staying there for at least three weeks to see what unfolds. Um, embarrassingly, I even, I don't know, do you know the brand Uniqlo? <laughs> the clothing brand? Yeah. Yeah. So embarrassingly, I even put in a clothing order of like, you know, a few sweaters because listen, both of us have tiny duffel bags with like a few pairs of sandals and shorts for Florida. So we thought, all right, we're going to lean in, we're going to lean in. But this is, I think the most idiosyncratic thing that I brought with me. I, uh, I have this orchid the flower that I've had for two and a half years. And this orchid is some like wonder child has never had fewer than five blossoms on it at any given time for nearly three years. And when I looked at our apartment and I thought about being away for a month or two, I just grabbed that damn plant and I put it in the backseat of the rental car. And she has been with us for weeks on end and will continue to travel with us. And those are the type of things that you do for your mental health. Ladies and gentlemen, you bring a flower and you kiss it goodnight. That's what you do. <laughs> I, you know, some people, when faced with a crisis, you know, hide under their bed. And some people go road tripping with their orchid. It's, it, there's just choices <laughs> that can be made in these situations. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, listen, like, I, without, without pathologizing myself, like, I am an only child. And both of my parents are in Santa Barbara in California don't live with the person that I'm dating and the person that I'm living with has been the closest thing to a sister I've ever had for eight years. And something like this just puts everything in perspective and you have to pick the people that can support you during this time and that you can support back. And it's not always the obvious decision. Sounds kind of obvious to me. Yeah. I know. It's just so funny because so many people have asked me about, my boyfriend and like clients have made jokes or like, Oh, you abandoned your boyfriend in Long Island. And trust me, those jokes aren't going over so well with me right now. (laughs) But, um, I think you just start to have to make decisions that come from the very core of your heart. You know, who do you want to spend all this time with? Again, if you're married with kids, the decision is totally made for you. Yeah. But, but listen, I mean, I I struggle with it every day. Like, should we have left? Should we have not? The decision was in no way made when New York was at its current state. And it's difficult to reverse now, right? The The plan is kind of an action, and we're doing everything we can to be safe and kind to each other and to her family. But, you know, I don't think we would have made this decision had we waited another few days. My name is David Hoffman, and The Big Shut-In is a production of Race Car Radio. If you have feedback for me or a story that you would like to tell, please feel free to email me, thebigshutin at racecarradio.com. <laughs>